This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match, the tennis podcast brought to you in association with Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. I'm Nigel Seeley here on my final day in Paris, and I'm delighted to say joining me from across the channel over in London or just outside of London is our senior ATP Tour tennis handicapper, Sean Calvert. Now, Sean. Last time we spoke, we were raving about our fantastic start to the French Open 4 0 in the first round. It hasn't been so good in the second round. We didn't have a win on the right. second round. And uh, and we look at this and don't worry about that. We're sitting in front. We're looking forward to it. And we've got some massive matches on Friday, looking at the start of the third round's matches. Um, what do you put that down to? Just a little bit of unluck or a little bit of, uh, you know, just misfortune. But, you know, things happen, don't they, Betty? Yeah, this is why I never get too excited when when we go four and zero or something like that because I know a, a nil and three is coming up at some point. Might not be the next day, which is obviously what happened with us. But the day after or the day after, that's I've learned this by by um, trial and error over the years. You know, in the old days, you know, right at the start, I'd get quite excited about winning three or four, and then invariably a couple of days later, you'd go nil and three, and then it just it just you just get on this roller coaster of emotions from, and it just it just takes it all out of you. So I try and stay. Kind of the same whether I win or lose. I know you don't like it, but I've been around the I've been around the block a lot, and you know. But the thing is, um, I think I think when you're betting plus money picks, you yeah. you are going to you know if if you can make profit, and we made thirty three points of profit on this show. So I'm I'm not I'm not worried about it at all. But the thing is, I've got a marketing inside of me as well, a bit of a PR side as well. Yeah. So I, I want to I want to promote I want to shout it to the rooftops when we're winning we're four and but also I'm not going to hide if we go Norton two or Norton three it's part 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 of the game. It I'm is not, we're not one of plus money, yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not some of these handicappers who just sort of cry out and scream out the winners and then go missing when the losers come in. You know, every bet that we have is transparent. Every record is uh, noted, and you know I, I know that we're the most honest and best and transparent tennis podcast out there on betting in terms of what we do. So. You know, I, I do scream and shout when we go four and over, but also don't don't hide away from the fact when we go naught and three. I think we were very, very unlucky yesterday. I mean, the Davidovich for Kina match, how that never cashed down to 35 and a half, I'll never know. I mean, La- that, that really was from match point up that one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, that was that was incredible. I mean, one of the ones you get, for example, the, the Massetti one, Massetti played about as well as he's ever played in his life. That was about 100% or 99% of what Massetti can do. And Shevchenko was on about 20%. And when, when you get that, when you get a heavy favourite playing his best game and the underdog not playing even close to their best game, you can get a very lopsided result, can't you? So, 
you know, when you are betting the underdogs, you have to you have to hope that they're going to be somewhere at the top of their game. Because if they're not, there's a chance you can get blown away and it makes the bet look bad. Um, but, you know, that's the, it, the French Open happens a lot. You know, the, the, the clay can, can kind of find you out sometimes if you're not at your best. Um, and physically as well, if you're not at your best physically, you can you can lose a, a handicap. I mean, there's the amount of matches that have been won from players that were two sets down. It's been incredible, hasn't it? This this French Open, the amount of players that have lost from two sets, thought has been, you know, way more than normal. Um, just looking at the conditions, actually, if we're just going to uh, talk about the the slowness, that's that's the kind of the topic of this French Open <laughs> so far, isn't it? I, I don't know what you've heard from the players when you've been there, uh, sort of people chatting in the crowds and whatever. But you know, most of the players are just they're still saying that the ball is really, really slow compared to previous years. It's the same ball, this this Wilson Roland Garros ball, but I mean, it's the same brand, it's the same manufacturer, but it seems to me that they've changed it slightly because all the players are saying it's much slower than than it was last year. And that, that's kind of borne itself out with, with, it, with the stats. Um, only 74% holds a serve and 68% first serve points one, which is down on the normal um, average of the French Open. So conditions are slow, but the court's perhaps slightly quicker in the last day or so because of the sunshine and the wind as well has been another factor, hasn't it? A lot of players have been complaining about the wind. Obviously, you were on courtside today. I wasn't. Uh, and you were there yesterday. I don't know what the wind's been doing, but it seems to have been pretty strong, pretty gusty. Yeah, it was windy. And it was, the, you could see it uh, again, the Alcaraz game. It was, the wind started getting up quite a lot against Tara Daniel yesterday in that, in that second set where he didn't play well. He didn't play well anyway. I don't think he can lose the wind for excuse. The thing is, you say about people here, there's a very different tennis crowd that are major, isn't there, compared to what you would see at like an average ATP Tour 500 event. People at the ATP Tour 500 event with no court conditions, with no court speed. The people here at Roland Garros ask you, who's that? And it's Novak Djokovic. Yeah. It's the same at Wimbledon in the US, isn't it? And they're like, who's this guy? Well, he's the number he's number 18 in the world, actually. Oh, well, never yeah. heard of him. But yeah, that's it's because it's more of a social event, isn't it? These, these, these slams and the big tournaments, the summer ones in particular, they're more... They do attract people who just want to have a nice day out in the sun and maybe watch a bit of tennis, and they might have heard of the top two or three, but they won't know the rest. So, yeah, you're right. It's a slightly different crowd. Very different crowd. But, it, you know, it is, it is slow, as you say. But uh, the other thing we do on this podcast is where we try to sort of educate people in betting sort of trends and mindsets, not only about the results short term. We try to give you things, and you know, I always say about someone who has a big win to, to fade them in the next match. Sean will give you statistics sort of players that we know and just you get a little bit of an insight of the player there are players you can trust that are minus money players that you want to fade players are inconsistent so it's not you know and long term we were winning but we are going to go through ups and downs but also we're trying to educate in terms of giving you some sort of sort of advice along the way that we've picked up into doing this for over shameless to say almost 30 years coming up now that we've been doing this kind of stuff which is a long long time uh, anyway, let's move on to the matches for Friday. And as I say, the third round starts. It's just amazing how quickly it just rolls on. You know, suddenly you talk about the first round a couple of times ago, a couple of times before I spoke to you. And now we're into the last 32 already. There's eight matches on Friday. We're going to run through all eight matches. I do not know what Sean is going to pick. He hasn't shared his information with me. So this is the first time I'm going to hear what he has to say. And I'm going to give you what I have to say as well. So we may have some difference of opinion, but... 90% of the time we agree. And the first match we're going to talk about is the world number one and the tournament favourite, Carlos Alcaraz, who is up against Denis Shapovalov. We've spoken about Denis Shapovalov before, saying that his serve cannot be trusted. He's a, he's a big-time game player that can also be a big-time fade. But these odds here are very, very heavily weighted in the number one seed. Minus 2,500 for Alcaraz, plus 1,200 for Shapovalov. Uh, the handicap is eight and a half here. Alcaraz is a very heavy favourite, minus 143. And the totals here, I mean, 
I had to have a second look at these totals. 28 and a half, minus 124. Now, I watched the Alcaraz game yesterday. I watched the match. First round, first set, I thought he was going to breeze it easy and I thought we'd be back within an hour and a half. Then the second set come around and he didn't play well. Um, Tara Daniel was trying to get the crowd on his side. Couldn't get the crowd on his side. But Alcaraz made a huge amount of unforced errors in that. So, he, you know, he, he, he bounced back. But that was a... I saw a little bit of a, a chink in his armory there. And I thought my first reaction was if he plays Djokovic and the market is heavy on on him here in the semi-final, I'm going to be all over Djokovic. But um, I like these total games here at 28 and a half overs. I think it's very cheap. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult with Shapovalov, as you say. He's, he's, he is very, very inconsistent. And that's because of the technical problems that he's, he does still have in his game. But he's been struggling with that knee injury that I mentioned Um in the last podcast, which apparently is cleared up now. So maybe uh, we're going to see the best of him, but I can see why it's been priced um, the way it is. Uh, if you look at Shapovalov on clay versus top 10 opponents, he's won six win loss. And the one win was, I'm sure what a match that a lot of people will remember when Nadal kind of hobbled to the end of it, of it in Rome last year. He should have retired Nadal, but doesn't like to retire. So he kind of carried on, didn't he? Even though he could barely move. And that's the one win that Shapovalov has had. Um, if, against top 10 players on clay. If you look at the stats on clay at main level versus the current top 20, Shapovalov is 110 win-loss and his service points, one return points total is just 88. Um, that's why that this the, this match is priced as it is because his stats on clay against the better players are, are really bad. Um, now looking at Alcaraz against left-handers on clay, he's 13-2 and win-loss. Um, the two losses, one of which... One of them was in the Rio, I think it was the final against Cam Norrie when he was injured. And the other one was against Nadal when Alcaraz was on number 120 in the world. Other than that, he's won all his matches on clay against left-handers. <laughs> you never know with Shapovalov. If he lights it up, if he has a great day and he's feeling good and he's he's hitting loose and he's you know he's having fun, then he could do something. But I wouldn't like to bet on it, to be honest. Um, maybe 3-1 to Alcaraz, potentially, maybe. Um not not a bet for me. I, I would have thought Alcaraz would just be too solid and feast on the mistakes that Shapovalov will give him. Yeah, also he's going to have to bounce back because the people are questioning his form after that second set uh, yesterday. I just thought 28 and a half looked cheap. I thought, you know, I, on my lines, if I if I priced it up and I was working again as an odds compiler, I would have probably chalked this up at 30 and a half. I, I know the match, I spoke to Roy Giovanni about it on the WTA show. The lines of total games are coming down. You're much better off to be an unders better on the total games now than overs better. Overs, but but I, you know, I just think 28 and a half looks quite generous. So I'll have a small lean and over 20 and a half here. Alcaraz, I think, expect to come through. Shapovalov, as you say, his record against the better players on clay isn't very good. But I think 28 and a half is a little bit cheap and maybe a little lean towards Alcaraz to win three sets to one. The next match we're going to talk about is Stefanos Tsitsipas. Uh, he's minus 835. Just going about his business quite quietly. Uh, in this draw so far. I think it's Diego Schwartzman at plus 550. Diego Schwartzman is totally off my Christmas list. I've opposed him in the last two matches and he has done the business. Was this he ever is the handicap. Yeah, I mean, Diego, we send loads of posts. We send yeah, loads. Okay. Don't, you, don't you get a postcard from the Schwartzman family? No, he's, he's not sent me one for a few years now. Well, Schwartzman fans out there, you will know that you will get the uh, the Christmas card from him. Anyway, uh, six and a half is the handicap here. Minus 143 for Pass. And the total of games is 33 and a half, minus 112 the pair. 4-2, the Greek leads in the head-to-head and he's won 2-0 on clay. He's also won their last three outings. Uh, Schwartzman has surprised everyone uh, in this championship so far, including myself and Sean. 
Uh, I think the Schwartzman, the, the bandwagon ends though here though, surely. You would have thought so. I mean, there's such a big difference between these two on serve. Um, you know, Schwartzman's serve is, it's, it's never been great. And now it's just, he's just putting the ball in there. Um, let's just look at the stats. I mean, on, on the stats for 2023, you would give Schwartzman no chance, really. Service points won and return points won titles on clay this year. Sits a pass on 109. Schwartzman 95. So big advantage uh, to Sits a pass. On, it, on, it's on serve, like I said. Um, Sits a pass has held serve 86% of the time on clay this season. Schwartzman just 62% of the time. So a, a huge 24% difference in how often they've held serve on clay. Uh, Sits a pass won 70% of his service points. Sh uh, Schwartzman 55%. And on return, you would normally expect Schwartzman to be way better than Sitsipas, but he's only 1% better, actually, Schwartzman, on uh, return this year on clay than, than Sitsipas. So his return game isn't, isn't doing enough to counterbalance his, his really, really weak um, service game. And they're head-to-head. -head. Uh, Schwartzman's only held service 63% of the time against Sitsipas. So it's hard, to see, it's hard to make a case, isn't it, for, for, Sitsi, uh, for Schwartzman here? Um, I would expect it to pass to win this other straight sets or maybe three one. I can't, I can't see it being closer than that. No, it's not really a bet that throws out any. Sorry, match that throws out any really betting options here. So let's move on to the next one. I don't think there's anything on that match. Herbert Hercash, number thirteen C minus two sixty five against Virilas plus two oh five. The handicap here is four and a half with Hercash the favourite minus one oh three. The totals are thirty eight and a half. Both of these players have come through two epic. Uh, five setters, so they must be absolutely physically absolutely shattered. Virilaz matched against Batista Agut. I saw there was the physio on court. I'm not quite sure who it was, though. I saw there was a physio on court. I don't know if it was Batista Agut or Virilaz. But, it was uh, for both of them, actually. Both of them yeah, had the physio I, I saw that it was, uh, it was an epic game. So Herkash, probably on the odds without knowing that, would probably be look a, a bit of a fade at minus 265, given that his, his record on play isn't that great. But Virilaz, with fitness doubts and coming through two five setters, this one, again, looks a tricky one to have an opinion on. I think this is the trickiest one of the lot. I think this is virtually impossible because of the physical issues that you just mentioned. You know, Virilas has had an injury-affected clay swing anyway in 2023. He retired in Lyon last week, came back from two sets down to beat Shang in the first round, and then again against Bautista Agut, who, who was injured. Bautista Agut was two sets to love up um, and got some sort of injury. I think he had blisters or... Something he's he's had he's had injury problems this season, uh, Bautista, and he was barely moving in the last two sets that Varela's knocked off pretty easy six one six one I think it was. So, not sure how fit Varela's is. Not sure how fit Hercas is going to be again. Another he's played back to back five setters as well, hasn't he? Against Goffin, a Greek sport should have beaten him in the last round. He served for the match. Greek sport choked it again as he does tend to do. Uh, Greek sport, who himself was an injury doubt coming into that match with an ankle problem, so. This is difficult. I mean, if you look at Hercash, he's, he's, his clay, clay swing has been poor. He's 3-4 win-loss coming into the French Open. And his stats uh, for the last 12 months on clay at main level are the same as Virilas's. His service points won and return points won total is 100. Exactly the same as Virilas. The, the, the issue for Hercash, as ever, is just he doesn't break serve enough. He's only won 46% of his second serve points on clay in the last 12 months. And he's only broken serve 16% of the time, which is why he's playing these long matches all the time because he just he can't break serve on all surfaces this season he's only broken serve 15 percent of the time so his return game is is nowhere near where it needs to be um if these two weren't 
coming off the back of back-to-back five setters, I'd, I'd be inclined to play the over games. Um, I certainly wouldn't be backing her cash at the price that he is. It's way too short for, for a guy whose stats are the same as his opponents on this surface this season. So if you must have a bet in that, I'd probably take Varillas, but um, it's, it's, it's low down on the list of ones, ones that I want to take on, to be honest. Definitely one to swerve for me. No interest in that one. Herkas Varillas uh, going with Sitsabas and Schwarzman, two very, very tough matches. And the Lions are very, very hard to disagree with. Uh, the next match, we see Novak Djokovic, number two seed. Uh, number three seed now, isn't he? Yeah, number three seed, sorry. Up against Davidovich for Kina, uh, minus 770. A very, very heavy favourite for, for uh, Novak Djokovic. And there's been money for him. I think he's now down to minus 835, I think, the last uh, I saw. So there's a big move for Novak Djokovic. Uh, Davidovich for Kina is getting to me a little, probably a price that may tempt me for a bit of pizza money, up to almost $6.00 for the number 27 seed. The handicap here is seven and a half, which does seem very, very generous when you consider Davidovich Fikina beats uh, Novak Djokovic. Everyone's looked at the two matches of Novak Djokovic here in Paris, but then one seems to have forgotten his form on the clay court swing coming into it. Seven and a half here at minus 114 and minus 112, depending on which way you want to go. And the totals, again, 32 and a half. That does seem rather low to me. Davidovich Fikina played very well yesterday in his match in a straight sets win. Um... I'm tempted by the overs here, and I'm also tempted by the plus seven and a half of Davidovich Fikina. Yeah, I mean, I can see why Davidovich is a is getting towards a sort of tempting price. Djokovic hasn't been at his best this clay swing, but he, he does seem to be getting to his, his better form now. Um, if we look at the stats of the current season on clay at main level, Djokovic's service points, one and return points, one total is now 109, which is which is very good. It's a couple of points behind sort of Alcaraz and, and Sinner. Uh, Davidovich Fakina is on 102, which isn't isn't that far behind. Um, now, if you look at the, if you look at the matches played by these pair against the current top 20 on clay, their last 10 matches each against the current top 20, Djokovic is only five five win loss, and his service points one and return points one totals 101. Davidovich is his 96, but he's only one nine win loss. Um, so for me. I think Davidovich, I have been impressed with him, actually, in the two matches he's played against the two up-and-coming French um, starlets, Fies and uh, Van Asher. Uh, he had to cope with a, a raucous crowd, particularly in that Van Asher match. You, you, you could see he was starting to bubble over Davidovich. He, had to kind of do, he did pretty well to keep himself in check, but he played at a very high level in both those matches. I think if he plays at that level, as you say, he's beaten Djokovic before, so he's not going to be in awe of Novak Djokovic. I mean, that, that match, we need to put that in a little bit of context because it was Djokovic's first match for about six weeks when he played Davidovich Fakina in Monte Carlo. Um, hadn't played at all in the, the, the prior six weeks, as I said. And um, he, he's, he often loses bad matches in, in Monte Carlo, does, does Djokovic. So it wasn't, it's not perhaps a match where you can just look at it and go, well, he's beaten Djokovic, he could do it again. He, there was context in that. Um, but from Davidovich's side, it'll give him confidence. And I, I wouldn't be opposed to playing the overs on this. I'm also slightly tempted to play Djokovic to win by three sets to one. I think those are the um, the angles that I'm looking at in this one. Yeah, similar way of attack for me. I love the over 32 and a half at minus 112. But I also I like the plus uh, minus 112 on the minus seven, a plus seven and a half for Davidovich Fakina, which brings in that 3-1 for Novak Djokovic. will probably be around about plus $3. So Djokovic probably gets through, but he doesn't get through as easy as the the Bet Rivers odds compilers are suggesting in that one. Uh, the next match is Andre Rublev, the number seven seed, is minus three thirty five favourite against Lorenzo Sanego, plus two fifty. The head to head is two one 
So the Russian handicap here is five and a half, plus five and a half for Sonego, minus 125, minus five and a half for Rublev evens. And the totals are 37 and a half. Uh, Rublev got us the job done in Monte Carlo at 33 to one. Uh, has been pretty impressive since. Has it a nice, just going under the radar here. Uh, but this is a tricky little match against an informed Italian. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a match that Rublev should be winning. Really, he lost that one to Sonego, as you said, in Rome in 2021. But he he really shouldn't have have lost that match. He he threw that away. Really, um, Rublev won two percent more service points, two percent more return points in that match, and he and he lost it. Why did he lose it? Well, because he went he went two from thirteen in breakpoint chances, and Sonego took three of his four. So Sonego played the really big points the better, and he ended up winning despite being worse off on the stats. So it was a bit of a smash and grab job that from Sonego. The overall head to head in the three matches that they've played is quite heavily in favor of Rublev, 108 to 92 in terms of their service points, one of return points, one totals, which is quite a, quite a dominant head to head in favor of Rublev. He's also well ahead on the, the current clay season main level stats by 106 to 100. Um, and at the French Open, he's got pretty solid numbers as well. 106 there as well to Sonego's 101. So all things being equal, you would expect Rublev to win. But he doesn't. He, he very rarely does he win matches in straight sets at the French Open. I think he's only won, off the top of my head, I think he's only won one match in straight sets at the French Open in his career. Tends to win 3-1. So that would certainly be um, something that I would perhaps be leaning towards. I think he'll win it, Rublev, but... He, he very rarely does he do things the easy way. So that, that could bring in the totals here. What, what's the totals line on this one? 37 and a half. That's quite high, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I think it was, it'll be one where Sonego has his moments and he's competitive, but I, I expect Rublev to get it done in the end. Yeah, Rublev 3-1, again, another lean. So at the moment, we've got five matches of the eight matches tomorrow. We haven't got an official player. Have we got any coming up, Phil? Yeah, there's one coming up, yeah. Oh, oh, we've got one coming up. It might be in the next match. Let's have a look at the next match. Lorenzo Massetti up against Cam Norrie. Massetti, as Sean said, played probably the match of his career against Shevchenko. Really, really looking well here. And then the winner of this will play Carlos Alcaraz. And if Massetti does play with Carlos Alcaraz, and uh, looking at the betting, he's, he's probably most likely to do so. What a match that will be. And that could be a potential uh, shot on the cards there. But Massetti's got to get past Cam Norrie here. Massetti's minus 175. Cam Norrie... He's 135. Cam Norrie's beaten two French uh, players. He, he was on court yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. And he uh, he said to the crowd, he said, um, I've beaten two French players so far in the tournament. He said, uh, and he said, hopefully, I'm sorry about that, but hopefully I'll have your support in the next round. And there was not one clap. <laughs> there was not one noise. There was not one acknowledgement of what he said. Uh, the guy translated in French and no one, no one. So I don't think... Uh, Cam Norrie has many fans in Paris. Mercedes going to be the favourite here. Uh, I was about to... Sorry, go on. Go on, go on. I was about to say that they probably didn't understand the word that he said, uh, Cam Norrie, but if they then translated it as well, and they still got stony, stony silence. He's not the most charismatic, is he, Cam Norrie? He probably said it in a really kind of deadpan way as well, and they probably went, oh, we're not interested in this, we're, we're no. moving on. Go on, mate, no, 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 no interest whatsoever in Cam Norrie's plea for support. Uh, three and a half is the handicap. Uh, minus one twenty four for Norrie, minus one oh six for Massetti. So uh, Norrie is the favourite minus three and a half. The totals are thirty seven and a half. Two one the head to head to Massetti. Last time they met was in Barcelona this year. Um, if Massetti shows the form he did 
against Shevchenko, he'll win this easy. And also, Cam Norrie has a bit of an injury concern from the first round as well. He's, he's got some strapping on as well. So, uh, I, I think the Italian wins is quite easy, actually. I'm quite tempted by the minus three and a half. Yeah, I think I, that, that perhaps explains the prices then, because they, these two played in Barcelona, as you said, uh, a month or so ago. And just looking at the prices of that match, uh, 1.85 minus 1.18, Mercetti was, so slight favourite. Um, now he's minus 167, which is roughly 1.6. So quite a big difference in just a month or so in prices uh, of of a match between the same players. It's That's quite a big movement. Maybe that has that injury. I must admit, I wasn't aware of that injury, but perhaps that's priced in there. Um, I don't know whether you saw the Mercetti match. I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite excited about my 100 to 1 now, each way. I've suddenly, yeah. I've suddenly got yeah. a bit interested. Might, um, might be something in it for me there uh, on that form. Because he was great, wasn't he, against Shevchenko? The stats, the stats on Clay last 12 months at the main level are almost identical. In fact, Norrie's got the slight edge, 104 service points, one in return points, one total. Massetti, 103.4, so slight advantage to Norrie. Um, I don't think I could bet Massetti at these prices. I'm, I'm slightly tempted with Norrie, to be honest. Um, not because of any any technical aspect or any, any anything to do with the matchup or anything else, but just think Massetti's a bit short now after that after that great performance against Shevchenko. Is he going to produce that level again, back-to-back? Back? I'm not so sure. And if he doesn't, you know, Norrie, Norrie could uh, could take advantage. Yeah, um, you, you got to, on the form that we've seen in the first in the last round, obviously, Mazzetti's the bet, but obviously sometimes it can't replicate, as Sean says, and the market, if you look at the match a month ago compared to what it is now, the market is betting this match very, very differently. So that's a, a good guideline to use in all all kind of betting. Look how the market is, and you know that people people get carried away. And Mercedes' performance has obviously seen the betters and also the odd compilers run for the hills. Don't want to take any money, which could represent some value for Cam Norrie, but he has got a slight injury. I do know that for a fact from the first round, and uh, maybe a little bit wary of that. So another sort of lean on that match. And uh, next match is Karin Kachanov up against uh, Kokonakis. Two players that I really want to fade on clay over history. Kachanov is someone I always used to fade on clay, but his clay form this season has been quite good. Minus 295 against Kokonakis, who's come through an absolute epic against Stanislaus Wawrinka. The handicap is a five and a half one with the Russian minus five and a half, and the totals here are 37 and a half. Uh, you could probably go over, really make more appeal for over rather than the under. 2 0, the head to head is in Kachanov's favour, and both of those wins have come on play. Um, you would expect the Russians to win it, Sean, but minus 295, no value. Yeah, it's a bit short. Just on the, on the clay stats, it's it's fairly decent advantage to Kachanov. I can see why it's priced how it is. You know, a Kokonakis, his service points, one of return points, one total, both short term and long term, is less than 100. It's 96. Um, short term and ninety-seven, slightly longer term. It's it's not it's not really good enough. Those sort of numbers. Um, Kishanov, one hundred and three, um, and at the French Open, one hundred and four. So he's got quite a good record of the French Open, actually. Um, Kishanov seems to be a player, as we said before, that that shows up for the majors rather than than any other tournament these days. Kishanov's beat him on clay before. Um. The scoreline looked close, but um, Kashanov again only took two of thirteen breakpoint chances that day. Kokinakis nil of nil, so it was it was very one sided. Even though Kashanov didn't, if, if Kashanov had taken a, a decent percentage of those chances, it would have been fairly one sided. So I, I can't really. And Kokinakis is coming off the back of a five setter as well, isn't he? And, and I, I can't I can't really make a, a valid case for Kokinakis in this one, to be honest. 
So there we have it. Seven matches we've gone through. No official plays as of yet. So I'm guessing we're leaving the best till last. And uh, an interesting match here. Fabio Fanini, minus 150, up against Ofner at plus 120. I watched Ofner very, very briefly yesterday against Sebastian Corder. I actually bet him in play at plus 120 in that match. And I was very impressed with what I saw, actually. I thought he, he looked really good. Uh, Fabio Fanini has obviously been brilliant against Kubler. He's also been brilliant in our first round match against Orje Aliassime, where we cashed on that ticket. Uh, the handicap here is minus two and a half. Uh, Fognini, the favourite, minus 108. And often the receiving two and a half start, minus 117. And the totals are 37 and a half. I don't know which way you're going to go here, Sean, but judging by some of the conversations we've had about Fabio Fognini um, in the last few weeks, when he's playing a, a decent opponent, we've always wanted to be with him. And when he's, because you know, he lifts his game against Offner, is he going to have that same spark and determination that he would against Felix Auger this scene? So, judging by what I've seen and judging by our conversations, I'm 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 sort of thinking that he may go be going for the underdog here at plus one twenty. No, I'm taking Fabio here. Oh yeah, taking Fabio. I am. Yeah, I am. Wow. I'll tell you why. There's quite a few reasons. I'm sure. Um, I just think Offner isn't good enough at this level. And I think he's been very fortunate to get through. He obviously played Cressy, who, you know, was, was probably the easiest draw you're going to get in the first round. Well, one of the easiest. Um, and then Corder, who's injured, barely played at all since that wrist injury that he had uh, a few months ago. Now, if you look at the last 10 main level matches on clay, that's fairly recent data where you could argue Offner's probably should be better. Um, the service points, one and return points, one tail. Offner is 99, Fognini 103. A decent advantage for Fognini. That's a good level. Um, and the service hold and break totals, that's the amount of times you've held serve added to the amount of times you break and serve. Offner's on just 96. Fognini's on 108. So much, much bigger um, total there for Fabio Fognini. Um, looked at cha Offner's challenger record. It's okay. Service points one, return points one, total 104 at challenges. That's all right. Nothing to get too excited about. Um I think he'd be massively up for this, Fognini. I really do. I know it's only, only Sebastian Offner, but he's he's definitely going to be up for this. This is one of his last chances to play at Roland Garros. Um, I've seen him play the first two matches here. He looks very much up for it. I think another interesting stat um, on this one, when Fognini's played opponents that are ranked outside the top 100 at the French Open, um, he's played them 16 times. Guess how many he's won? 16. Yeah, all 16. And he's only dropped one set in those 16 matches. So he's 42-1 and win-loss in sets. If we take the main draw alone, because some of those are in qualies, take the main draw alone, he's 10-0 and 30-0 in sets. So he's never even dropped a set to anyone outside the top 100. I know that Offner is going to be a squeak inside the top 100 potentially after this tournament's finished, but he isn't at the moment. He's 118 or something. Um, I think Fabio wins this. He's, he's too good a player. He's... He, Offner's main weapon is his serve, which is not going to get you very far with these slow balls and these slow conditions. I took Fab uh, Fabio at 1.8 um, earlier on in the day. I'm not entirely sure what price he is at the minute. You, you can probably tell me. Well, it's 150, so it's um, minus one, uh, 166 now in sort of decimal terms. Okay. You could take him either to win the match or you take him minus one and a half sets. You get plus money for minus one and a half sets. He really should be beating Offner um, with a little bit to spare. It's, um, yeah, I think it's going to be Fabio's day. He's gonna, on, on his best form, he's a much, much better player than Offner. He spent most of his career on, on challenges and 
early rounds of sort of um, ATP uh, and and majors. He's, he's not he's not really up to this level often. So I'm happy to take Fabio here. That, I was just trying to second guess you there. Got it completely wrong. I was th- I was thinking you were going to go for the dog because of the thinking that he might not be able to motivate. But the stats there have just convinced me that uh, I, I'm going to be with you. I'm always with anything you say anyway, Sean. So don't worry about that. I, I was just trying to second guess to see if you would go for off. <laughs> so what's the official pick then? What, what 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 is the best bet from this match? Uh, what was price is he now? One point what? Minus yeah. one fifty, which is one point six. Four to six. Okay. Um, Taking minus one and offsets, take a chance. Minus one and offsets. Fabio wins either three love or three one. That's um, roughly two point two five, I think. Five, uh, five to four. The plus one twenty five. Plus one twenty five. So that, that will yeah. be our official pick on Friday's action. We're going to go for the one bet. We're all mm-hmm. in on Fabio. Plus one twenty five. Yep, all in. What could possibly go wrong? Tell you what, there's a lot of players I like to go all in when we're backs against the wall. <laughs> Fabio Fagini wouldn't be in my top five at the moment, that's for sure. But uh, he must be I, the way you speak about Fabio Fagini on the on this podcast, he must be right up there as one of your favourite players. I do. I love Fabio. I do. I don't have many favourite players. I have to say, since Fernando Gonzalez retired, he was he was one of my favourites. I used to love watching him play. Um, I just love Fabio. I just love the way he plays. He's not always a um, uh, he's not always one to be relied upon, but when he is, then he's 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 great to watch as well, isn't he? I, you know, he's, he'll be gone soon. Make the most of him while he's here. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there you go. So one bit tomorrow, Fabio Fognini, minus one and a half sets at plus money up against Offner, the man outside the top 100. We just said there, Fognini's record against players in the top 100 is exceptional. And Sean expects that to continue tomorrow. Uh, thank you very much for everyone who's downloaded the podcast and has subscribed to our YouTube channel. Uh, our podcast here is doing amazingly well on the Apple podcast charts. It's thanks to you for following us and following us our journey and really getting involved in the podcast in Great Britain and number four in the American podcast charts, which is incredible when you consider we're up against the ATP Tour, the McEnroe's, the Tennis Channel, and that is a really, really uh, down to you guys for downloading us and giving us the faith to give us, mark your card on these big tennis tours. So thank you very much. Please remember to download that podcast Tell your friends you download it on your preferred podcast provider, Betting Weekly Game Bet Match. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel on Bet Rivers Network, and you can follow us on our socials on Twitter and also on Instagram at Because We Win. I'll be back tomorrow evening with Rory Girani looking at the women's third round. Rory's doing very, very well this tournament as well. Some good picks from Rory. And myself and Sean will be back on Sunday. On Saturday, I'll be at the FA Cup final, uh, doing loads of stuff in the Instagram channel as well. So there's no rest here on the Bet Rivers Network. Sean, thank you very much as always for joining us. Enjoy thank the rest you. of your day. And come on, Fabio, what could possibly go wrong? Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network.